Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hello and welcome to Front and Nationwide. This is The Athletic's dedicated Blue Jackets podcast. Aaron Portsline with you from gray and chilly Philadelphia. Allison Lucan is with us from, I'm guessing, gray and chilly Columbus? (laughs) In fact, indeed, that is what it is. Good morning. Oh, it'll be spring here soon enough, folks. Pitchers and catchers have reported in baseball. That's always a nice part of the uh, the deep winter to get you through. Makes you feel like spring's coming. The trade deadline in the NHL is but six days away. That's another marker. Boy, after the trade deadline, the games really ramp up. And you're safe then to look at the standings on a daily basis. Or you could look at them now. Uh, you can. you got to pace yourself, though. <laughs> uh, Blue Jackets still hold that first wild card spot. Uh, heading into tonight against Philly, heading into Thursday at home against Philly, a huge back to uh, home and home, I should say, with the Flyers. And let me tell you, just reading some of the clippings from Philadelphia, uh, the Flyers are looking at this like two huge games. They this, these are not just two mid-February games against a team that happens to be in the Metro. They're looking at these two games as almost their season, which might be a little, I don't know. Might be a little bit overreactive. Um, the winner tonight gets third place in the Metro. Whoever wins will leapfrog the New York Islanders. If the Blue Jackets lose and Carolina wins, if the Blue Jackets lose in regulation, that is, and Carolina wins, the Blue Jackets will fall out of a playoff spot with a loss tonight or regulation loss. If they uh, if they get a point as they've done so well lately, just a point, uh, they'll stick in the second wild card. Uh, but Allison, the Blue Jackets have, are enduring now by five game losing streak, the, matching the longest of the season. 
Um, I want to go. I want to do a glass half full, glass half empty. But first, just your thoughts on where this team is at. What has changed, if anything, over these five games, in your view? So nineteen two and five to o two and three. What is the difference? Yeah, I mean, it's there's the eye test, right? Um, where I think that they don't look as composed. Um, I think they look a little skittish. We've talked about players having to take on different roles, particularly now with Seth Jones out. Um, so that that is a concern to me. On the flip side, if you do look at the underlying numbers, this is very, very reminiscent of what we saw at the start of the season, where the team is generating offense, they're generating an edge in terms of the offense that they create, but they're back to an abysmal shooting percentage. They just can't finish. So, you know, I think those two things together combine for what we're seeing on the ice. It's right back to how it felt at the start of the year is that, you know, ticking off points, but the shots just aren't going in. Goaltending's fine, but it's that shooting percentage is really biting you. And I think the other thing that's hurt them here is just a lack of familiarity with three-on-three overtime play. They've had to re- rotate in new personnel there, and, and that group is figuring it out as, as they go. <laughs> yeah, it's been, I mean, you watch that game in New Jersey the other night, and it's two to nothing midway through the first, and you go, this is the kind of game that the Blue Jackets needed. Yep. Where it's going in, it's a lesser opponent. This is a feel-good type game. Yep. And then they started making McKenzie Blackwood, Blackwood look like Martin Brodeur. Yep. Um, I never realized they had the same initials either. <laughs> um, 55 shots, third most in franchise history. And they just they took everything they had to push that game into overtime. Uh, Stenland goal midway through the third gets it there. Uh, let's go glass half empty so that we end on a more positive note. Um, <laughs> glass half empty isn't positive. <laughs> no, no. So we end. So then after that, we would do glass half full. Oh, I see. Okay. And we would be ending on a positive note. Gotcha. <clears throat> Thank you. Um, Allison, 0, 2 and 3, you're getting points. John Tortorella has pretty clearly recognized this is a tenuous spot for his team. Uh, you can hear from his words uh, after the New Jersey game where he is just, I'm, I've got nothing to bitch about. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. We have to hold it together. He's, he's in clearly lift them up mode. Um, I think the first two losses in this five-game losing streak, you could say, you know what, Colorado, Tampa Bay, highly motivated Tampa Bay, that's two pretty damn good opponents. The problem I have is that you've you've dropped three games. You've gotten points out of two of them. You've dropped three games to Buffalo, the Rangers, and the Devils, all teams below you in the standings. Uh, The Rangers, Rangers, pretty good team. Buffalo, New Jersey have been reeling for a while now. New Jersey the other night trades their captain an hour and a half before the game, trades maybe their best player during the second period, and still they find a way to pull out two points against the Blue Jackets. That's not a good sign, and I wonder, on one, one hand, Allison, I feel as though this is the these are the injuries catching up to them. And on the other flip side, I think it's just market correction. There's no team in this league that goes 19-2 and 5, especially one that's riddled with injuries. This was bound to, to happen, but I also feel like it, it it's maybe isn't something that they can necessarily pull themselves out of uh, so quickly. It almost feels like they're going to have to endure and scrape by here for a bit. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that, you know, it's... 
it's funny, everyone's looking at Tampa right now with 11 straight wins, um, but they couldn't get a thing together at the start of the season, Tampa Bay. Yeah. And, you know, I think you're absolutely right. We all, I always talk about things regress to the mean. It can never be, it can never be sustained way too good. That's unrealistic. And it can never right. be sustained way too bad. That's unrealistic. We are seeing some market correction for sure. Um, but I'm with you. My concern is the opponents to which they've dropped. Um, yeah. Particularly when you look at, I mean, the balance of this month, we've, we already, you already mentioned the home and home with Philly. Then they go to Nashville, another team just like clawing to, to stay in it. Right. Then they host Ottawa, then they're road and road with Minnesota, and then they go out west. So these are the that's what's frustrating to me is that these are the games that you're supposed to be able to bank the points for some yeah. of those harder matches down the stretch. I mean, if you just if they have two or three more points right now, you feel much better uh, about them going on that western. Uh, Canadian swing in early March. The big one for me is in late March where they've got five in a row on the road. Yep. Um, and in that is Toronto, Tampa, and Dallas, all road games. Woo! I mean, that is going to be – that's going to be a, a big hill. You'd like to have some sort of bankable uh, point margin, but we all know that's not going to happen. This is life in, in the NHL when you're a wild card team. Uh, the biggest thing here for me, of course, again, is is guys not finishing, guys not scoring. Felino hasn't scored in a while. Um, there's There are other guys. Boone's had a couple of goals in the last five games. But man, he had some prime chances that he's not been able to finish on. Uh, you mentioned how similar this is to the early stretch of the season. The chances are there. The finish is not. That That's just a talent thing, right? That's a high-end forward talent skill uh deficiency correct i mean i i don't know i'm not i don't know that i'm ready to say i mean i understand what you're saying and is this team lacking high-end offensive talent of course yes i mean that's obvious but again i the shooting percentage just feels so abnormal i'm trying to find um, there's a great new Twitter account that uh, a friend of mine, uh, Matt Donders, actually created that's a, a CBJ game bot um, that kind of tweets out uh, stats on the regular. And if you look, I'm trying to find it here, where he, he shows that over the last 10 games, the shooting percentage is like below 5%, which is insane. That's just insane. So here it is. I'm going to find it here. So on the season the Blue Jackets have a 6.82 shooting percentage, which is on the low side, but that's not horrifying. Over the last 10 games, 4.8 shooting percentage. So, you know, think back to that start of that season where there were a lot of those where the puck just bounced. I mean, think to New Jersey. The puck gets behind Mackenzie Blackwood. Oh. It's sitting there, and then it gets swept clear. So... There's some of that too. Do they need talent? Yes, but am I going to say that this roster is devoid of offensive talent? I'm not. I'm not ready to say that yet. Um, what does concern me is where the offense comes from. I mean, there have been some nights here lately where it's defensemen who are leading in shooting the the puck on the net and generating chances. You need to see your forwards contributing more overall before we even talk about their talent level. They just have to be in there making stuff happen yeah. before we even talk about them finishing. And so much of this is on the forwards finish your chances. Yes. 
But I think we're seeing this is a great argument for Seth Jones's next contract. Oh my God! Because I think this team misses him uh, certainly off the ice. He's the leader of this group. I know there's a captain, but Seth Jones is kind of the guy where the that's where the line forms yep. behind number three. Um, they, they miss him, yeah. Allison. Well, and I what I think is what's really interesting to me about all this. Is and again, I'm not. It's going to take some time for this decision to come down. But what's really interesting to me in all this is that we're going to get a really good feel for where Zach Wierenski really is in his development, yeah. right? I mean, this is not how you wanted to see it, but much like my kind of acid test for the impact of Artemi Panarin was Pierre Luc Dubois because he'd only ever played with Artemi Panarin. This is the first real time we're seeing Zach Wierenski as right now, the number one defenseman on this team right. without Seth Jones. And again, I'm not going to vote my, my judgment on however many games it's been here, three games or whatever it's been, because he has to learn a lot. He has to learn what it is to, to own the overtime. He has to learn what it is to be the number one guy on the power play. He's played like every second of, like, of power play time last game and 3.30 of four minutes the game before. He's got some learning to do, but I think it's going to be very interesting to understand what he really is, where he really is in his development as a top pairing defenseman. Cause, cause he's, it's now the spotlight is on him completely. There's no cushion. Yeah. Right. And, and the problem here is, is it's not like you're waiting for him to come back either. Right. Exactly. I mean, he's almost certainly gone for the rest of the regular season, which is just, Oh, if yeah. you're them. And that's, that's the glass half empty to me. The glass half full is, there's still a spirit about this team. Like, there, there is a competitive spirit about this team, which it sounds almost foolish to say. They have how many? They've had 12 rookies in the lineup at some point. Yeah. Yeah. They've had six guys score their first ever NHL goal this season. Yep. Like, they are so green, and yet there are a group of veteran players, and the young, the young kids have helped push it along. There's no question. The veteran players who will not take no for an answer. Mm-hmm. Um, and I look around. The Islanders haven't been great for a couple of months now. I'm not sure what you expect out of the Flyers because the Flyers are, are kind of all over the place. They're a great home team. Mm-hmm. They're a subpar road team. Mm-hmm. Um, Carolina is a team that's been kind of in and out at times this year. I think people have expected more from them. Um, so I'm not. I'm not convinced that it's down between those four, and three of them likely get in. Yep. I don't think the Panthers are going to make a push here. Maybe they do, so that could up, upset my line of thinking. They're only two back from Carolina. But of those, are they among those four teams, Islanders, Flyers, Hurricanes, Blue Jackets, are they in the top three? I think they are. I think they're going to be. I think they're a wild card team probably this year. But I still see an incredible competitive spirit with this team that I think is going to keep them in it until the end. They have to get back to, and I, I was asking Tortorella this the other day. He was pretty clear that he's, he doesn't see it this way. He may and just may not want to project it uh, publicly. Uh, you worry about this team offensively, but this is kind of who they have been offensively. There have been better times and worse times. Where I, I've seen the cracks is how they handle situational play and how they defend. Yep. Like there's just a lot of ice there for the Rangers. Mm-hmm. 
They never locked down that game against the Sabres. They never locked the game down against the Devils, despite the early lead. The second period, they got into a track meet with them. That just didn't happen, even against the good teams. And so their play, of course it has, their play has slid, which has taken them to this five-game losing streak, not just luck catching up with them. Right. For sure. But, you know, like, the flip of this, and, and I'm going to say the thing that maybe you're not supposed to say yet, let's imagine that the Blue Jackets aren't one of the three teams that gets in, right? Let's just uh, let's just imagine. Uh-huh. If you had told this fan base, this NHL league and the people who follow this league, that going into late February, March, that the Blue Jackets are not only holding on to a playoff spot, but have done so with, at times, to your point, 11 starters out of the lineup, including their starting goaltender. Right. Like, th- what this group has accomplished... I mean, again, I'm not saying anything's decided yet, but even if this team isn't one of the final ones that get in, what this team has accomplished, given the circumstances, given the expectations, is pretty damn impressive, yes. really. Right. Right. And to me, that's that's part of this glass half full, too. And I think it really, you know, you and I both talked uh, about what dealing with all the conflict last year did to this team. We wrote on that in the summer. And I think we're seeing kind of the fruits of that now. This group is like, seriously, this is what you're going to throw at us? This is fine. Because we've yeah. dealt with so much crap <laughs> right. That, right. that here we are, you know? Right. I think back to the 14-15 season that was so beset by injuries. Yeah. I think this team might sail right past them. Totally. And games lost. They might. Um, and it's been the big pieces. Like, they're not – you could – you could pull Dubinsky's numbers out of there and say he wasn't going to play all year, and they kind of knew it anyways. Right. But that's still a lot of people not playing, and some big people. Like, to Massive. your point, Allison, this team loses, as people may have heard, Panarin, Duchesne, <laughs> and on it goes last offseason. They've essentially lost Josh Anderson, too. He's got one goal. Right. Cam Atkinson is going to have to bust ass to get even to half of his total of the 41 goals he scored last year. If, if if to your point, if you put all that together, right, and told you'd say, "Oh my God, I hope they win the lottery," right, because that's the making of a lottery team, right. Um, the fact that they've kept together this long, um, and maybe this is part of glass half half uh, empty, is you just this team's going to get tired at some point. Like there's so many guys playing up from where they're used to playing, you just wonder how much is still left in the tank. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I think John Tortorella maybe has noticed that too. You know, they didn't practice Saturday or Sunday. They didn't have a morning skate uh, Sunday in New Jersey. They didn't practice Saturday. They were off yesterday. Like he's given them ample opportunity to rest their legs and lungs here, right? Uh, in anticipation of the push. So they've got 22 games to go. Um, Allison, we put a piece up. I think we need to set the backdrop here a little bit we put a piece up yesterday where we asked uh blue jackets fans and really really anybody who follows on twitter uh for trade proposals and we took the realistic ones there were some really interesting like sunny milano for Connor mcdavid trades that i'm not going to ask a, a person in the league about that one necessarily i guess i think i know the answer uh but we took the ones that were were uh seemed to be well thought out plausible trade offers um and called people around the league, scouts, some executives, 
We didn't ask anybody for their input if they're if they had players in the trade that was mentioned, just because you know they're not going to go there, right? Um, but got some interesting feedback from people and just sort of explored what people are thinking out there. Um, and just to set the stage here, the Blue Jackets, I think, are in a tough spot at this trade deadline. And I think Yarmo Kekalainen realizes it. We wrote a piece uh, late last week about the tough spot he's in. He wants to help his forward crew, absolutely. Uh, I think his plan was to do that with defensive depth. That's going to be really hard with Jones, Kukan, and Murray out of the lineup. They don't have defensive depth now. Right. The guy that guys that should be their eighth and ninth, probably Peak and Harrington, those guys are playing every night now. Yeah. Gabriel Carlson's the extra. Um, so they're in a tough spot. You can't trade David Savard now. Not a chance. I don't think that would have been easy to do for them before. You can't trade Marcus Nunavara. He's your top pair defenseman with Lorensky. This team doesn't have uh, the picks that they want or are willing to move. They did a lot of that last year. So you're down to prospects. Does somebody love one of your prospects enough to give you a bona fide NHL player? That may be the question as they come into the trade deadline here. But I'm wondering, Allison, if you'd look through those two trade proposals. I think we published 19 of them. Wow. How many did you uh, get, Porty, total? Do you uh, know? I think it was in the 60s. Again, probably wow. like 50 that were like, okay, that's plausible. A lot of people had fun with it, like, you know, some crazy stuff. Um, but, yeah, so quite a quite a good response and some interesting um, proposals in there. I wonder if there's one in there that caught your eye that made you say, A, I would do that. Or B, a reasonable one. Both teams would do that. And it, this is one that could, could help the Blue Jackets and, and is a plausible trade. Yeah, I mean, I th- it, and here's, I will say this about the trade deadline. I think that if the Jackets don't do a lot, I, this is not shaping up to be a super exciting deadline, in my opinion, for anybody, honestly, just because I don't think there's a ton out there. Um but of the ones that you wrote up, I mean, the, you just outlined why trading defense is hard. But I do think that the uh, the trade with Florida for Trocheck that could be yeah. interesting, um, yeah. because it really is what both teams need. Um, I'm curious if having Nudie would be a good fit for the Florida defense and the Florida team because they are kind of run and gun and push, push, push. Um, which right. is when he's healthy and at his best is what he is. Um, and the Jackets could obviously use Trocheck. So that was probably the one that caught my eye. But, you know, again, I like there have been years where Yarmo hasn't been able to do anything and it's kind of been a, a, a judgment on, on his club or, or where he stands. And I feel like this is just going to – I think this is just going to be a quieter deadline around the league. At least that's my take. Yeah, I think there's already been a, an uprising of things there are uh, that that will take away a little bit of the gusto yeah yeah uh and colorado's got to be back in the market now oh. for for pieces i would think with with calvert who's two weeks i think they lost another significant player last night oi yeah. um uh, the goaltenders out yeah yeah and that's a little bit longer than a couple of weeks mm-hmm. yeah so man uh, there are a couple that piqued my interest on the on the the uh, low scale of uh, minor moves that you go. Ah, that's pretty cool if it could happen. Uh, Blue Jackets twenty twenty fifth round pick to Edmonton for Sam Gagne. I that was fascinating to me. Now, 
if you just came in at this point of the podcast, that's not us reporting news. <laughs> that is a suggestion of a possible trade. That's right. Please yeah. read the article on theathletic.com. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I mean, Gagne, it's hard for me to believe it. Gagne is still 30 years old. It's crazy. Like, he's just been around so long. It, it seems like he should be 35. And then you start to worry. But he's still Sam Gagne. Right. Can't forget what he did for that power play in that fourth line. He would fit into the room quite well, and I think. Not, yeah, and he's not really thrived. hasn't really thrived anywhere since he's left here. He got right. the big contract in Vancouver, and they sort of regretted that shortly thereafter. As we said when he left, if you don't expect too much, you won't be let down. That'd make a good song lyric, Aaron. Yeah, I, I may have looked at it. <laughs> but if you put him in a role where he was not so much as expected five on five, yep, and you he's sort of a, a pinch hitter, mm-hmm. sort of work him into different curious places. I think the Blue Jackets found a recipe where that could be successful back in sixteen seventeen, and that's the last time the, the first half of that season. That's the last time the power play was fun to watch. <laughs> hey, uh, they did they did look actually score a goal. Good, that second power play in New Jersey. I would ex- if they could get to that level, that would be major progress. Well, if they can stay at that level, they'll score a goal. Yes, but score a goal. Yes, I agree. Oh, my God, like the point is to put the biscuit behind that guy. <laughs> um, and then I thought this one was interesting too. Sonny Mil- everybody wants to trade Sonny Milano. Uh, Eric Robinson, Dean Kukan, and Matisse Kibleniak to Anaheim for Ricard Raquel. And then a collection of picks, one of them a second rounder. Yeah. I kind of like that. Um, I think the Blue Jackets have, have too many pieces. I would be reluctant to give up Eric Robinson. That's the one part of that that makes me wince. Yep. Um, but Anaheim is in a, in a mode here where, where they're clearly rebuilding. Um, it's a reasonable price tag for Raquel, $3.8 million through 21-22. And it gives the Blue Jackets a power, a, a, a an impressive uh, winger and a guy that can score twice a thirty goal score. Yep. Um, now he's not a centerman; he doesn't fix that for them, and he probably pushes some people back. But um, would you do that, Allison? And does does trading Eric Robinson at this point of his development scare you? I mean, I know that you talked to to folks, and and they were saying, you know, it's it might be a fair exchange, but to me. It does feel a little bit like an overpay, particularly because with the question mark around Josh Anderson right now, you, you can't lose Josh Anderson and Eric Robinson. You just can't, in my opinion. So, yeah. so I'm with you. That, that, that gives me concern. And, of course, you have, to, you have to give to get. But Dean Kukin, I mean, people know I've been a, a fan of his game for a while, and I think that he does – people may forget because he's been injured, but he does play – the way that this organization wants their back end to play going forward. Um, and so replacing him might be more challenging um, than just slotting in another depth defenseman, in my opinion. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't hate it. Right. I don't know. I, but the, the Robinson thing definitely gives me pause. If, if, if Josh Anderson's situation was sorted out, I might be more willing to do that, but it, it that that's a price right there. Yeah, I, I like the second round pick coming back too. Oh yeah, for sure, totally. Especially this coming year. Totally, because they don't have a second or a third. Uh, so there's some interesting ones in there, and uh, so I urge you to read that 
Uh, Blue Jackets Flyers tonight. Blue Jackets Flyers and Nationwide on Thursday. Allison, any thoughts before we move along here? Just want to remind everyone that we're uh, putting these podcasts out, making sure they're on all the podcast apps at which you like to enjoy your podcast, uh, SoundCloud, iTunes, within the athletic app, uh, click subscribe so that you don't miss an episode. We're going to make them all free here. And uh, if you click subscribe, wherever you like to listen to podcasts, you'll never miss one. And if there's an outlet that we're not on that you prefer to hear a podcast, let us know. We'll see what we can do about that. Yes, please let us know. All right. Well, we will uh, talk to you on Friday. Back at it to a week here. Uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for uh, putting up with us <clears throat> and my cough, my radio voice. Uh, maybe we'll have Tom back on Friday. I'm not sure. Uh, we'll try. Uh, thanks again. We will talk to you soon.